Mackerel Podcast number 380 for October 30th, 2013. Brought to you by Namecheap. Mackerel Podcast listeners should visit Namecheap.com slash Macworld for private ad-free email plus a .com, .net, .org domain name for only $6.99. Welcome to another Mackerel Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. Whenever a new version of the macOS or iOS appear, we here at Macworld dig into the thing in search of buried treasure. And Mavericks is no exception. In this episode of the podcast, we return to offer up some OS X tips we think you'll find helpful. Let's get started. I'm joined by a crew of colleagues who've had their heads buried deep in Mavericks since its release, and quite honestly, months before. Each has come prepared with a handful of tips that are sure to make Mavericks easier, more productive, and possibly less frustrating. Here today are Dan Frakes. Hi, Chris. Serenity Caldwell. Hello, Chris. And Dan Morin. Hi, Chris. So let's get started. You know how this works. Every time we have a new iOS or Mac OS, we go around the virtual table and offer up a handful of tips. So uh, let's go with the most senior member of the crew, and that, would, of course, would be Mr. Dan Frakes. You mean after you, Chris? Well, as host, I right, thought right. I should allow my guest right. to speak first. Yes, right. I am the oldest, craggiest person on this panel. I did. I wasn't going to phrase it that way, but <laughs> well, no, but I will. So all right, all right. you can go with that. Okay, I will start with the library folder. So in Lion, I guess it was, and then continuing through Mountain Lion and, and Mavericks, Apple decided to hide the user library folder, the library folder inside your user folder that contains application settings, support files, and things like that. In its infinite wisdom, Adam, Apple figured, we don't want people messing with that, so we'll just hide it. Uh, and there were a bunch of ways you could make it visible under Mountain Lion and Lion. In fact, I had an article where we listed, I think it was 19, but none of them were simple. And in Mavericks, Apple actually said, you know what, let's just make this easy. So if you go into your home folder in Mavericks, uh, so you're viewing all of the contents of that folder, and then you do the finders view options uh, palette, which I believe is under view, view options, or command J, there's actually a little checkbox that says show library folder. And that's all you have to do to make it visible again. I think that's great. I like that tip because it means now I have to provide that link one time instead of every single article I write for Mac 911 saying, hold down the option key, go to the go menu, and you'll find that your library folder appears. Because many of us do want to muck around with the library folder, right? Yes. Yes. There's plenty of reasons to do it. But I love libraries. Yes. They're great. <laughs> but we should say that once you've made it visible, unless you know why you're in there doing something, don't go in there and start throwing files away and things like that. Right. Usual caveat. All right. Dan Morin. Well, so I really like the, uh, the idea behind the new uh, travel time feature in Calendar. Um, which is, you know, supposed to figure out how long it's going to take you to get from, say, one place to another if you've got a meeting uh, outside of your office or home. But the one problem with it is that I have in my uh, in my current setup, it, you know, thinks my work is in California and my home is every place else I want to go is in Boston, which provides for some very interesting travel time recommendations or occasionally none at all since I work at home. Um, but you can manually set 
travel time, if you know roughly how long it's going to take you to get somewhere, by uh, double-clicking on an event and then clicking on the date and time section. And that sort of expands and offers you a bunch of additional options, one of which is travel time. And if you pull down that little menu there, you'll get some default options like 5, 15, 30 minutes, and as well as a custom option, which lets you specify any amount of time. And that's great because it means that you can also use that to have the... Uh, uh, take advantage of the feature where calendar will alert you when you need to leave. So that's a, a handy way to uh, manually adjust that if, for example, you, like me, work at home and it doesn't quite like that, or if it can't figure out where you're trying to go, which, as we know, since it's powered by maps, sometimes it gets confused. Mm, yes. All right. Well, I'll jump in and uh, and I'll tell you all. You may not know this, but there are some websites that will autoplay video. God forbid. No. Yes. No. Shocking. I know. I know. But there are some ill-informed websites around the internet that will do things like pop-up videos when you don't want to see them, or they will play sounds when you don't want to hear them. And now with the new Safari under Mavericks, there's a way to deal with this stuff, as well as other kinds of plug-in stuff. So, you launch Safari, you go to Preferences, you go to the Security Preference, and there is a button there titled Manage Website Settings. Click on this, and you will see a list of any plugins that are installed in Safari, and Flash may be one of them. And on the right side will be any websites that are open in tabs within Safari. Your job, then, is to determine for each site what you want these plugins to do. So if you were to select Flash, for example, you go to the right side and it will say, allow. Well, maybe you don't want to allow Flash on this particular site because of these autoplay videos. All you have to do is select block and it will not play. If you're the kind of person that has installed Flash for some reason, but has decided, I just don't want Flash to play on anything, there is a global setting at the bottom of this window so you can choose to block all Flash content if you want. And then at a later point, if some Flash content does appear, you can double click on it and then it will play. But it's your choice rather than the site's choice to push it at you. And again, this will work for more than Flash, but any Safari plugin that you're using that is media related. So QuickTime would be another one of these things. So very helpful. And it's nice now that we don't have to use broad uh, media blockers that would block out a uh, site's ads because that's how they make their living, but rather just the most obnoxious content. And now Ms. Caldwell. That's very interesting, Chris. Um, mine is also Safari-related. I have a couple Safari-related tips. Uh, but my first one is Safari, as you might know, now has the power to store your credit cards um, and occasionally sync them with iCloud Keychain if you so choose to do so. Uh, but Sometimes, you know, you enter in credit cards and they're not valid anymore. You know, you get a new credit card, you have to change the expiration date, etc. Well, you can change the expiration date for your credit cards by going to Safari Preferences Autofill and clicking on Edit in Credit Cards. But it only lets you see the last four digits of your credit card along with the expiration date. Um, and you can't edit it. There's no button to edit it by default. However, if you double click on the card a couple of times, you'll get an uh, a pop-up from the system that says you would like to enter your password to access your credit card information. If you enter in your computer password, then you are able to change any aspect of your credit card as well as see the full digits. So uh, it's a good good way to either um, alter your current credit card information or see the full number if you need it for whatever reason. That's really good. I had no idea how to do that. All right. Next up, Dan Frakes. 
Yes. So in it was Mountain Line, I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that Apple added dictation features to the OS. So anywhere there's a text field, you could click a button or press a keyboard shortcut and dictate text, and it would magically interpret, usually pretty well, what you had said and then type it. But there were a couple of limitations. For one, you had to be online. And the other is that you could really only do short batches of text at a time because how it would work is that you would uh, speak your text. <clears throat> when you were done, you'd click a button and then you'd wait and it would process it and then it would paste it. And so it was sort of like a talk and then see what happens approach. So in Mavericks, that's the way it works by default. But if you go into the dictation and speech pane of system preferences, there's a checkbox there that says use enhanced dictation. Check that box. And you'll get a notice from, from OS X saying, we need to download a bunch of stuff. It's basically, I think it's around six or 800 megabytes of data. But you say, okay, you let it download that. And then from that point on, you get, for one, you get offline use. So you can use dictation even if you're not connected to the internet. But more important, you get the live dictation, the way you would get from something like Dragon Dictate, where as you're talking, you see the text being interpreted and, and essentially typed in your text field immediately with live feedback as to, you know, uh, misspellings and things like that. So it really, it, you know, it's 600, 800 megabytes, but it's totally worth it. It makes the feature so much better. Have you compared the accuracy of using Apple's servers versus enhanced dictation? I haven't compared them directly, but it does seem to work pretty well for me offline. So I haven't had any big complaints about it. Okay. And Dan Morin. Well, this is a, a little one, but I think it's a handy one. Um, if you've ever copied an address, uh, you know, like a full street address, city, state, zip code off a website or some other plain text and then gone to put it into your contacts, you've probably been annoyed with the fact that you paste it in the street section and all of it shoves all that information into one field of your contacts. Well, Mavericks is actually smart enough to figure out how to parse those addresses. So if you copy a street address name, state and zip code off a website, for example, and then go to paste it into the street field in Mavericks contacts, it will automatically place all of those things in the correct fields, which is super handy if you add things to your contacts a lot. Cool. Hey, that, I didn't know that one. That one's pretty cool. Does it yeah, I, I found that one by, by digging through Apple's documentation. I did not know about it either, but I tested it, and indeed does, it works. Does it matter which field you paste it into? Does it have to be the address field? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I think it's smart enough to sort of figure out you're, you're looking at an address, and here's all the various parts of an address, because fortunately addresses are formed tend to be formed very regularly. Wow. Excellent. Magic. Um, I'm going to talk about Safari again, and in this case... Um, it turns out that there is the map API built into Safari now, so that Safari has access to maps data. And the way this would work is you could be on any website and you select a, an address of some kind. And when you do this, you can control click or right click on it. And then in the contextual menu that appears, a lookup command appears. Select that and you'll get a little inline map of that particular uh, selected address. If you want to, you can then add that to your contacts or you can click on a button that says open in maps and indeed that will happen. So it's a quick way to get a look at a destination that's uh, listed on a website. And Serenity. Very cool. Well, I'm also going to continue with the whole Safari theme. Um, so we have this lovely bookmarks bar at the top of Safari that I know I use quite a lot and a fair amount of people know how to or like to use. And if you don't have it enabled for whatever reason, uh, you can just go up to view and um, and show the uh, 
show that favorites bar. It's um, also shift command B. Um, adding things to that bar is really simple because you just have to add, you know, press the add button and choose your favorites bar as the location. Uh, but you can now actually edit those favorites and edit their addresses in line as opposed to having to open up your bookmarks browser, et cetera, et cetera. All you have to do is right click on the favorite and then click rename bookmark and a little inline tab, or not, sorry, not rename bookmark, um, edit address and a little tab pops up with the information there so you can change, you know, you can change the URL or if it's a JavaScript uh, locator, you can paste it in. Makes it work really well. Okay. Dan Frakes again? Is it me already? Okay. Yes. So, so um, if you ever wanted to, in previous versions of OS X, if you ever wanted to, to type a character that wasn't on the keyboard and you hadn't been a genius at memorizing all the keyboard shortcuts to do so, uh, Apple offered the character palette, which was a little window that would open up and float over your, your documents that showed all the various um, special characters that you could type. Uh, but it was... It was a little bit of a hassle to get to that. Um, it it kind of took over your screen if you weren't careful. In Mavericks, they've made it a lot easier to access. So in Mavericks, whenever you're typing anywhere in a text field, if you press Control Command Space, what you end up getting is a little pop-up, um, a popover, I, I guess you, you would call it. Um, and it includes little tabs of special characters. There's a recent one. There's there's emoji, there's um, symbols, there's computer characters, you know, all the same kind of things you could get in the character palette, but in a little pop-up that shows um, right in your document. And also a hidden thing is that if you scroll down when you're viewing that little pop-up, there's a search field at the top. And that search field lets you type in, say, euro to see the symbol for the euro. Double click on it and it is typed basically right in your document. And right next to that search field is actually a character palette button. So if you really want to see the big, huge, all-encompassing character palette, you just click that and the popover disappears and the character palette shows up. We'll have more tips after a word from Namecheap. Voted Best Domain Name Registrar by Lifehacker Readers, Namecheap is a topmost domain name registrar, offering some of the cheapest prices in the industry. Namecheap.com offers an unparalleled level of service when it comes to customer care. Professional support representatives are able to answer any of your questions at any hour, on any day, throughout the year. Namecheap comes by its name honestly as it offers some of the most affordable packages in the industry. In addition to full-featured web hosting packages, secure SSL certificates, WhoisGuard domain name privacy, and much more. For a limited time, Namecheap is offering Macworld listeners the opportunity to get private ad-free email plus a .com, .net, or .org domain for only $6.99. Visit domainname.com slash Macworld for details. And now, more Mavericks tips. Dan Morin. Uh, to continue with the contacts theme, um, you've long been able to make groups of contacts in the contacts app, and you could send email by typing the name of that group, and it would automatically expand it. 
Well, in Mavericks, you can actually do that in messages as well. So if you have a bunch of friends that you want to communicate an iMessage to, you can type the name of, you can create a group in contacts and then type the name of that group in the to field in messages and it will automatically expand um, to all of the members in that group. Of course, all of those have to be valid iMessage addresses or you'll run into some weird problems, but <laughs> it can be handy for organizing groups. Right. And I am going to offer a uh, an answer to a huh sort of tip, which is PDF files. Um, as you may know, there's a PDF entry in iBooks. So you open iBooks, you look in the uh, sidebar there, and there's PDFs. Great, I can put PDFs in there. But when I bring my PDFs into there and I double click on one, it doesn't open in iBooks as do EPUB files. Instead, it opens in preview. So what's that about? It's really about organization. A lot of us have technical documents, uh, educational documents, work documents that are in PDF format, and we tend to scatter these things here, there, and everywhere else. Well, you could bring them all into iBooks, and sure, you can't open them in iBooks, but you can create collections in iBooks. So this is one other way that you can organize your PDFs, have them in a central repository, and then be able to open them easily. Very cool. Thank you. Um, it's called all right. Uh, my next tip is about mission control spaces. Um, if you tend to use spaces a lot, and I do, uh, you may, you know, in, in Mountain Lion, it was really annoying because if you had multiple desktops, they'd just be in a line and you couldn't really drag and drop them or, uh, or your full screen apps. They just kind of had to be as is. So when you were switching between them, you're like, oh, well, I have to open this in this specific order. Uh, but Mavericks has gotten rid of that very, very annoying caveat. So now you can just, when you open up Mission Control, those little preview windows of your various desktops at the top, you can just drag and drop them around, even... Uh, dashboard, so you can put dashboard at the far right end of your screen if you want to. Okay. Dan Franks, back to you. So if you've ever been using your computer and things are slowing down, and you're like, what is what is using up all my processor? What's making this go so so slow? It turns out that in, Ma in uh, Mavericks, as long as you're on a laptop, you can click the battery icon in the menu bar, the battery menu, and after a couple of seconds, you'll, you'll get this little message saying that it's that it's you know, collecting power usage info. But after a couple of seconds, it will then tell you right there. It'll say Safari is using a lot of power, a lot of resources. Um, and, and so then that lets you know that, you know, what's using so much and you can quit it if you want to gain some of that back. Uh, and related to that, if you open the activity monitor utility, which is in your utilities folder, the energy tab uh, now shows you energy impact and average energy impact for each each uh, application. So you can sort that listing by, say, energy impact and see all the things that are using a lot of your system's resources. So if you need to free some up, you can quit some of them. I like that a lot. Plus, there's a, you can view it in two different ways. So you can see what's using it right now. Right, right. And then over time, what's using it a lot. So you may say, well, people are complaining about Safari, but it seems to be fine. But then you look at like what's using most of the power most of the time. Oh, it's Safari after all. Um, not that we'd ever stop using Safari, of course, but um, it does make you think about hmm, alternatives, perhaps. Yes. Uh, Dan Morin. 
Well, um, it's great that that Mavericks allows this automatic updating of your your apps and your app store and and of the system. But sometimes it's not the most convenient time for you to install updates. Maybe you're on maybe you're on a, a not so great connection, or maybe you just don't want to get your uh, workflow interrupted, especially if it requires a restart. Um, so when that Mac App Store notification pops up in your top right corner and says it's got new updates to install, um, you can click and hold, I believe, on the install button. Um, and it pops up a number of options in terms of when you would like that those updates to be installed, including a, an option that I think it says try tonight. So it'll retry if you leave your computer on. I think between Apple says sometime between like 3 and 5 a.m. or something. It'll try to download everything, restart it. And then by the time you come back to your computer in the morning, it should be up and running with all your software updated. So I find that really handy because otherwise, you know, you end up getting distracted and forgetting mm-hmm. about installing it or you end up installing it and then sit around for like half an hour while you're waiting for your computer to install. So it's it's a smart way of handling all those many updates that we all encounter. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and I'll add that when I first saw this in in Mavericks, I always I missed the details button because in Mountain Lion you could click details and it would show you what was available. Right. And I'm like, where is that button? It turns out if you just click the notification itself, not one of the other buttons, it will do the same thing. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about finder tags. Um, these are convenient for those people who tend to be organized. There are times though that you will assign keywords to files or folders. And that's great, but you don't want to assign a color to them because if you're a real keyword user and let's say you create 25 of the things, what, you've got five red ones and six purple ones, and and it can get confusing after a while. When I look at this stuff and I want to sort by keyword within a finder window, there doesn't seem to be an easy way to do that. Well, it turns out there is if you know this trick, and that is to control click or right click on a finder window's heading and a pops your uh, configuration window in there, just enable tags, a new tags column will appear and that will contain all your keywords. So your colors are gonna show up regardless, but this also additionally adds uh, keywords. So you can sort by uh, important project keywords or, or whatever you like. That's awesome. I haven't gotten into using tags a lot in Mavericks yet, but I'm kind of hoping to. You know, I honestly, th- I go around and talk about this stuff and I, when I'm in front of people, I say, okay, so how many of you keyword your photos in like three people and how many of you keyword your music in like five people i think it i think honestly it's one of those features that organized people are going to really embrace and those of us who aren't probably won't because it's it's not horrible to use them and it but it is just that much extra bother that if you had been organized in the first place you would have done something different mm-hmm. uh poll anybody here going to adopt Finder tags. Who's not? I, get, I think the uh, yeah. The problem is really just that that initial problem. The initial sort of outlay of time in tagging all your stuff. If there was a way that Mavericks was smart enough to sort of analyze your files as it you know as Keynote or not Keynote the as Spotlight does you know sort of indexes everything and figures out how to search for things. If it could be smartly searching through all your files and say here we found this term popped up in a number of files. You want to assign this tag to all these files or you know if it could sort of use the metadata to construct tags. I think that would be handier than having to go through and and tag everything manually, which just seems like for me right now not worth the effort because I can just find everything in Spotlight. Right. Well, I think I think what Dan is describing is something that a lot of third-party utilities are going to are going to take up the uh, the charge for because that's exactly the kind of thing that a lot of people want is a way for this to be handled automatically. And so I think that we've already seen some of the sort of 
uh, finder organizational utilities like um, Hazel and Leap and those kind of things. Uh, I've already been updated for tags, and I think a lot of them are going to gain features like that. So they monitor what you're doing and automatically handle it in the background. Yeah, I think what we're looking for is that kind of utility that says, if X contains metadata Y, then... And then you've, tag you've got... Tag Z. Yeah, tag Z, right. Um, or, or or use it the way I use ta- labels in Mountain Lion, which is as article status or document status. So mm. red is something that's in progress right now. Green is something that's finished. Blue is something that's on the burner waiting for my attention. That kind of thing could be automated, right? If, an, if a document's been opened or edited in the last 24 hours, it's red. You know? So I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of thing. Okay. Well, or it could appear in uh, Mac OS X Bakersfield. <laughs> And, uh, oh, yeah, let's go on to rims. <laughs> yeah. No, we've talked about tags for a while. No, it's cool. Um, my tip is actually a Mountain Lion era tip, but it is also it also works in Mavericks, and I feel like enough people don't know about it and enough people complain that uh, I'm going to bring it up again. And that's if you get a notification that appears and it's pesky and you want to get rid of it, for instance, a banner that makes it, you know, it's like reply or whatever, um, all you have to do is click on that and drag it to the right, and it will actually disappear off screen, just like you might drag it on an iOS device. Uh, and it's a good alternate way to get rid of sticky notifications. I'll add to that. If you use a um, Magic Trackpad or a trackpad on a, on a uh, laptop, you can just two-finger swipe it off the screen as well. Does that get rid of it forever or just temporarily? Temporarily. It depends on the, I think it depends okay. on the type of notification. Yeah, I was going to ask about Mac App Store notifications because those are the ones that were notorious you drag them off and then five minutes later hey, yeah, they pop up. Yep. a lot of them will come back but some of them don't okay let's do one more round of tips and uh dan your last oh sorry dan frakes your last tip <laughs> sure so in ios devices you, it, they're they're mobile devices so they use your location a lot and so um, apple for privacy reasons they came up with this thing where whenever an app was using your location a little location pointer arrow would show up in the in the in the the status bar at the top of the screen, and it was nice because then you could say, "Oh, something's using my location." Uh, they finally added that in Mavericks because now, you know, over the last couple of years, laptops and computers have all started appropriating this this ability to locate your you know to find your physical location, use it in maps or in you know weather apps, things like that. So. Uh, now in Mavericks, whenever an app such as Maps or a weather app, just to use two uh, common ones, whenever they request your location from the OS, the OS puts that little same little location icon in the menu bar. And even better, if you tap or click on it or tap on it, uh, you get a little menu that says Maps is currently using your location or whatever app or plural apps are, are actually using it at that moment. Okay. Mr. Morin. So you've for a long time been able to print something to a PDF uh, in OS X, which is super handy. Uh, I really enjoy saving things as PDFs. Um, But uh, they've sort of streamlined that a little bit in Mavericks in that many applications, including Mail and Safari, um, have a a new export as PDF option right in the file menu. And that sort of saves you a little bit of time having to navigate through that print dialog box and get the PDF menu and open as PDF or save it as PDF. Instead, you just hit, you know, file, export as PDF, brings up a window where do you want to save it and what do you want to uh, what name what do you want to name it 
and bam, you're done, which is really nice. And I like to take that a step further because you can use the keyboard preference pane in system preferences to assign that a keyboard shortcut. So now creating a PDF of a web page or an email message is just a keyboard shortcut away, which is super cool. And you can store that information actually in uh, some cases directly in iCloud. So it gets automatically synced to all your other devices. Nifty. Famous musician Jeff Lorber contacted me via Twitter because people do. And he, um, he said, dude, well, he didn't exactly say dude, but I could hear that tone in his tweet. And it was sort of like, you know, I used to be able to create alerts in calendar. And um, one of them was an email message. It would send me an email message saying, oh, don't forget to be funky today because he's funky every day. But I think he needs a reminder. Um, so I went into calendar. I created a new event and I looked in the alert area and sure enough it had you know five minutes before ten minutes before blah 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 but there was no email thing in there so I'll try custom because that was the only other option there when you choose custom another little window appears and that's where all that little stuff is that used to be much more visible in the previous version of iCal and calendar so if you want to do that choose custom another little window pops up Within there is a pop-up menu, and one of the choices is email. So select that, and then you can send yourself an email alert of the event to be funky for the rest of your day. And to finish up in grand style is Ms. Serenity Caldwell. Oh, goody. Well, my, my grand tip is actually a fairly common sense one, uh, but it's just you've heard about this, you know, this fancy iCloud keychain thing that's going on with Mavericks. Um, if you didn't get an alert to automatically enable it when you first upgraded to Mavericks, you can do so by going into System Preferences and then clicking on iCloud and clicking the checkbox that says Keychain. Um, it's your If it's your first time enabling Keychain, you'll be asked to enter in a PIN code so that you can enable it on your other devices. Or if you're enabling it uh, where you've already enabled it on, say, an iOS device or a different Mac, you're going to have to enter in that security code or have um, your Mac buzz your uh, uh, iOS an iOS device or a phone number to to say okay this this device has has access to keychain uh, but it's just you know it's a little box and uh, if you ever want to disable it it's just a matter of unchecking that if you have credit cards saved we talked about credit cards earlier um, when you uncheck iCloud keychain it also asks if you want to get rid of those passwords and credit cards on your Mac um, and you can choose to delete anything that you've saved in the keychain or uh, keep them on your Mac regardless. Okay. And with that, that is our uh, collection of Mavericks tips. We are going to be covering Mavericks. We have been covering Mavericks soup to nuts, and we're going to continue. Ren, I believe we have an ebook coming out on this? We do. It's hopefully coming out in the next week or two. Great. And that, will, of course, will be the best of our Mavericks coverage, as well as lots of tips, tricks, and other. And I would like to thank my guests, Dan Frake, Serenity Caldwell, and Dan Morin. And thanks to you for listening. And that wraps up this edition of the Mackerel Podcast. I'd like to thank Dan Frakes, Serenity Caldwell, Dan Morin, and of course you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at mackerel.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at mackerel.com. See you around.